Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I'm your host, Ken Seymour, with your other host, Richard Geiger. Hello. Uh, we have another exciting episode for you today. This is an extension of something that we already started. We're going to do a, a little bit more about Gen Con 2019. 2019. Yeah, it was, there was so much packed into that four days that, truthfully, if we really wanted to unpack it, I, I think we could probably talk about this for a good six, seven episodes and still not retread uh, space over anything. Mm. Um, now, yeah, exactly. So at the time that we're recording this, uh, another convention actually just finished in town, uh, Indiana Comic Con. Uh, I was unable to, unfortunately, uh, get to that particular convention, but had several associates that stopped mm. by and they said it was pretty fantastic. But that's another time. Cincinnati Comic Con coming up. Ooh, that would be fun. Uh, I think for some... Is that the WKRP Studios? <laughs> right. <laughs> With Les Nesman. Yeah. Uh, for all of you very old people that will get that reference like us. Uh, but... You know, I completely lost my train. This this is the joy of live recording. And even At though in my mind, I think we should just snip over that little part there. He's probably just going to leave it in. Yeah. Make it easy. All right. Yeah. So let's get on to it. We're going to get to a, a little bit of a, a little bit of description, a little bit of explanation, a little bit of exposition, uh, and uh, a lot of perspiration. Uh, before we get into anything specific, Mr. Richard... Why don't you tell our wonderful listeners a little bit about some of the social media options they have to keep in contact with the Pudding Guys. With us? Yeah, with you, with me. Okay, so Mr. Ken is quite active on the little thing called the Tweet Box. <laughs> I don't uh, think anybody calls it that. No, okay. That's okay. Um, uh, so that is the one that we are the real pudding guys so if you do some at real pudding guys you'll find a lot of stuff going on on twitter now if you look at some of the other ones like facebook or instagram um, those are going to be pudding guys if you go to what we might say is one of the more important ones for us uh, which is our patreon account our patreon account you can also look for Pudding guys. Now, what what would just a dollar a month do for us? It would do an immense amount. It helps to support us, to enable us to to jerk out. We do jerk and we get to We search out uh, new people to talk to, interesting people. We come up with uh, new equipment that will maybe <laughs> work just a little bit better than some of our current equipment that occasionally does not cooperate it's only been an hour yeah yeah we haven't been working on things to to fix things for the last hour at all things have been smooth completely behind the scenes uh but you know as we add more things to the patreon you'll not only be able to help us do that more but there will be some extra special goodness coming up so long as everything stays on track it may be by the time this episode is even uh, released probably not because that's going to be this week but End of September, I've got some big plans uh, coming up, and I'm, I'm kind of excited. So long again, as everything cooperates, which if this month has been any uh, 
anything, it's been uncooperative. But (laughs) keep your fingers crossed. We got some good stuff coming. Well, Halloween's coming up here. Could be a spooky surprise. It could be a spooky surprise. But that is that. Let us get a little into it. So what did we talk about last time when we talked about Gen Con? Uh, You went to... Did not stay at, went to a hotel. Um, also, talked a bit about just the, the the convention as a, hey, if you're going to go to this, what are some hints, some tips to, you know, before you go, while you're there, um, things to do, places to eat, people to see, you know, things like that. So just kind of an outlier of the convention in a roundabout form or fashion. Yes, we, we definitely went through that. Now, actually, at, at Gen Con, I did stay at the hotel. It was Origins, where I stopped at the hotel, got scared, and then went somewhere else. <laughs> that was, yes, that, that was, was Origins. No, it's so fresh in my memory here. Yeah. Gen Con hotel was fantastic. Everything was great uh, on that side of things. But, so, as always, we talked about how important that hotel is, getting that close-by hotel, because you're going to be doing a lot of walking mm. at most of these conventions. You'll have plenty of chances to sit but there's still miles and miles of walking um yeah and we talked a little bit about some some restauranting and some other things what we kind of want to talk about first with this is gen con because it is the conflux of pretty much uh, every game manufacturer not only in the united states but the, the big ones worldwide you often get a chance to run into people that you may only see once a year. Uh, whether that's people that work with the gaming uh, companies themselves or just friends that live out of state. This may be the area to meet up. A lot of times that's what we would do. We just have groups of people that couldn't normally hang out regularly, and that's where we meet. Sometimes it's just your favorite authors, your favorite artists, your favorite whatever uh, that are going to be there. In fact, that happened this year. We actually had a chance to, the the gentleman that was nice enough to uh, create the artwork that we use for our logo was there, and I had a chance to speak with him, and he is a fantastic individual. You remember when we talked to him, right? We talked Two to him interviews. a couple times. That's right. And uh, you know exactly who we're talking about, and great love to you, good sir, because you are, in my mind, always the the Dungeons and Dragons art guru. I mean, just in my mind, always. Anyway, but we also talked to, I had a chance to actually record a little bit with one of our first interviewees, Mr. David Wong, who was uh, an artist that is kind of known for a comic book style and has been around the, the circuit for a very, very long time. But uh, why don't we just see what is up with him? We got a little bit of time. And we'll be right back. Back at Gen Con 2019 with our good friend David Wong. How are you doing, good sir? I'm doing fine. So how's the con going for you so Excellent. far? Excellent. As always, this is my 23rd year. 23 years. That's kind of hard to believe. How has it changed from the time that you started to where you are now? I was in the artist alley for 19 years, and I decided to move to the booth. And the booth is definitely different. Uh, less competition, but I can go big. I can go tall. I can do anything I want, and it's a fantastic show. All the fans find me. What this year has been something that you've been really excited about. I, 
Uh, we were talking a little bit. You're you're saying that you're going to do a, a new series on Winnie the Pooh. That sounded kind of fun. <laughs> I do a lot of different series that has to do with Disney and all that stuff. You know, nothing like official. But I just like doing different artwork where I do crossovers of different subject matter. It's just out of fun. That's all it is, out of fun. Have you had the chance to actually get around the floor at all? Or I just did it this morning. Uh, it didn't take me that long because um, I look for specific things like artwork, books, stuff like that. A lot of it's gaming. I haven't done any gaming in such a long time. I think the last time I did D&D was like 25 years ago. Uh, but I saw everything in like 15, 20 minutes. Bought a couple sketches from artists and everything. I love going through the art show and where I originally from. And then I just buy a couple art books and I have a great time. That's awesome. Now, since this is going to air just a little uh, later, obviously, than Gen Con is out, people yeah. won't hear it while you're here, and you go to so many conventions, where are you going to be at so that people know where to come by and visit uh, and get some stuff? There's a couple of key shows I do. I'm definitely doing Dragon Con in Atlanta, Georgia over Labor Day weekend. Uh, I just did San Diego Comic Con two weeks ago. That was fantastic. Uh, I'm supposed to be doing GamesCon, but that's up in the air. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Uh, but I still have, by the end of December, probably about another 16 shows. I do about wow. 47 shows a year. Well, let's end since you're, you're going to be busy. I caught you right at the beginning of the rush, and I oh, don't, yeah. want to, don't want to keep you too much. One final just kind of fun question. We didn't. I don't think we got to this when we talked before, but with all of the crossovers from comics into movies, what right now is something that you're kind of excited about about that or something that you've seen that you've liked? The Marvel Universe has been a great thing for the last 10 years, 12 years, and I've been waiting for an Avenger movie for 35 years since I was a kid. <laughs> and when they finally came out, I go, please don't suck, please don't suck, please don't suck. And it didn't suck. And we've had a great, great business decade due to the Marvel movies, the DC movies. It's nice that they're actually announcing movies five, six years in advance. And I'm excited to know that certain movies, five, six shows every year comes out and they're really good, they're creative, they're really sparking interest, and also getting the fan base here. I mean, like, certain people have never been to a convention, and now they're like, going, this is my first convention, I haven't been in one, ever. And I'm just seeing the change in audience, the change in attitude, the change in kids, and they're growing up with it. And it also doesn't hurt that it helps sales, too. No, no doubt about that. I wish you the best success. Keep going, and I hope to see you again at the next, like, 20 Gen Cons. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, David. Bye-bye. Always good to see our good friend, David Wong. He, uh, he, if you ever get a chance to see him at a convention, he is kind of like the life of the party at, at the booth. There will be people waiting to talk to him just because he has a very vibrant personality. Not only is his work good, he's very engaging. I mean, it's just uh, kind of one of those things, whether it's showmanship or salesmanship, he's kind of got that spark that when you talk to him, it's like, yeah, I'm definitely going back and seeing him again next year and probably grabbing some more artwork. This guy is really cool. If you haven't seen him, stop by his booth, any convention he's at. He's a lot of fun, and his work is particularly good, I think. And if you're new to the podcast, go to some of our earlier episodes, mm -hmm. and magically you will find an episode by Mr. David Wong for a more extended conversation. You'll also find the other gentleman we mentioned earlier, but this is going to be a scavenger hunt. I'm not going to tell you the name. It won't be too hard. We only have one individual we've interviewed twice that is an artist, but let's see if you can figure it out. And this is our attempt to get some engagement 
on social media tell us the name of the artist that we interviewed twice and who did the logo for our podcast and we'll give you a shout out on social media mm-hmm. Pretty cool. he lives in kentucky yes he does but on to the other good stuff so gen con we talked about the size but the reason it's so huge is it just has tons to do now you said you were not much of a, a board game player is that right um, that is correct. Maybe some Parcheesi. Parcheesi. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> Parcheesi. Okay. Funny? No? Okay. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I try. All I have is dad jokes. But the types of games that are present are spanning of everything. If you if you have basic board gaming kind of bent, like that Monopoly and Parcheesi kind of thing, they have that. Uh, if you have kind of a classic gaming, some some old board games that may not be available, one of the things that I love to go to that's at Gen Con every year, they have an auction. Um, and this auction is just enormous. And they usually, nine times out of ten, will have an actual auctioneer. Uh, well, maybe nine times out of ten is probably in, in, in excess, but it feels like it. But they'll have somebody that has some experience in kind of doing the auction thing uh, rattle off the stuff that's going on. People will bring their stuff in on Thursday, check it in, and you will find gems that you just can't find anywhere else. Um, so they block it off in chunks whenever you want to go. The, these hours, we're going to be doing role-playing games. These hours, we're going to be doing board games. These hours, we're going to be doing collectible card games. These hours, we're going to be doing that people bring in novels and movies and a variety of other stuff too, Uh, figurines, uh, war games. And so you can kind of time according to your, um, according to what your needs are or, or what your interests are. You can plan it around your other stuff that you're going to be doing at Gen Con, whether that's walking the main vendor floor or any tournaments you're going to be engaged in. Um, they even have standard stuff. A lot of times you can find games of Euchre and Spades and uh, all that sort of stuff. Now, they don't do this anymore. It's been, has it been 10 years? It might have been. They used to do poker tournaments. Mm, that'd be fun. That was fun. Also, if you're not from, like, the Midwest, uh, Euchre is an amazing game uh, and that I dominate at, uh, by the way. So if you don't know what that game is, look it up. It's a very simple game to play. It is very simple. But not. Yeah, it is. If you can't figure it out and then figure out exactly how the entire game is going to play after the first round, you're not paying attention. There's only five cards in your hand. It's it's pretty easy. Um but it's a great game for discussions, for just catching up with friends and keeping it light and not having to think too heavily on things. Which is Spades is more of a everywhere game, isn't it? Or is that a more of a Midwest thing? Uh, well, I know I first started playing it in Chicago. Okay. So that's, I know Euchre for sure is a Midwest thing. Euchre is definitely a Midwest thing. But uh, anyway, um, so they would have these poker tournaments and... The laws were a little vague at the time, so they couldn't hand out cash prizes. And so what you would do is you would register for the poker tournament, and you would play through the tournament, and whoever would win said tournament would get a seat at, like, say, the final table. Um, and, well, the final table they would hold in Vegas. 
where they could pay out money. Hmm. So it was kind of one of those things where you could actually end up getting a, a trip to go to Vegas and finishing out. I really loved that, but apparently they put the clamp down on that a number of years ago, and it, it was sad. One of the trophies I have somewhere over there is actually from one of those tournaments because I love the poker probably more than I should because I think that I'm pretty good uh, in one part of my brain, and the rest of me knows, yeah, I'm not that good. Confidence. It's half the battle. Yeah, not in poker. It's not. <laughs> There's a lot, a lot more to it. Um, so you can find those kind of basic things. Uh, we talked about registering early, right, for some of the events. One of the big popular things that you can do at Gen Con every year, and if you don't get registered for it early, you're not going to get in, is the true, dun- <clears throat> the true dungeon. Uh, do you know what a true dungeon is, good sir? Uh, is it like uh, true moo, like the chocolate milk? I don't even know why I'm I'm passing this over to him. He's giving me nothing. I'm I'm hoping for gold, maybe even silver. He's giving me just these lumps of uh, coal over here. Giving I mean, you chocolate. Chocolate. That's right. Um, you know Dungeons and Dragons. We've talked about Dungeons and Dragons. So true dungeon is basically trying to take the Dungeons and Dragons experience and mix it with like a murder mystery theme or not theme but but it's instead of sitting at a table everybody is up you have your character and you're going through scenarios that are pre-constructed in three dimensions whether they're uh, fights with the orcs or whether you're trapped in a room you're trying to solve puzzles you know whatever it is it's really really popular and it's done with these uh, the reason i go into this is done with poker chips so the items are on poker chips and I think spells are also on poker chips and things like that. So you, instead of carrying around necessarily everything, you just have these poker chips. Like, oh, I'm going to do this this time. Um, it's so it's like LARPing, but like not. Yeah, not quite. Because you're not dressed up and you're not having shields and swords no, and things no. like that. But well, some of them are dressed up. It kind of depends on how into it you get. Some of, some people really get into it, but you don't have to. It's not really. A requirement for the true dungeon to, to really play it um, if you I didn't find that all that interesting but I'm I'm the aberration I think on that because everybody else that went into the rooms at least found it mildly amusing if not greatly interesting um, so it's, it's real popular if it, it when the day opens to do events it'll be sold out almost certainly uh, it's 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 pretty crazy how fast that one goes. Now talking about LARPing, LARPing does happen at Gen Con. LARPing is kind of different though because unlike some of the games that you might play in the different rooms that you're going to be at, you know, you got tables, you got your dice, you got your whatever, while you're going to be walking around during the daytime, that's just not practical in most instances. Uh, so a lot of it happens after the main vendor hall floor closes, and some of it extends throughout the entire evening to play, depending upon what game you're playing. I mean, uh, there's still vampire games that happen uh, throughout the night. and, and got to be the nighttime because yeah. you know, sunlight. That's right, vampires. Um, but it also, LARPing means different things to different people because it's there, there are kind of levels of LARP. Um, you're talking about you know having the shields and the swords. That's not not in its in and of itself just LARP. It is a specific kind of LARP. Yeah, LARP means live action role play. That's right. So I mean, again, you know, I 
played for years. I did uh, live action vampire and sometimes I had some costuming, but a lot of times I didn't just because it wasn't practical. You just had to kind of go with it. Although there are many stories, I'm hoping to get a, a specific individual that also has a podcast on gaming that we're going to just talk about some of the some of the things that have happened over the years and some very funny stories relating to LARPing. I mean, having a, a vampire LARP, you know, you got a group of 40 gentlemen and 30 of them were wearing trench coats because that's what vampires do, right? It's rather humorous. Um, not necessarily the way things are now, but back back when I was playing, it was it was kind of like that. Uh, a lot of fun stuff. But So you got a lot of that stuff going off in the evenings. There's almost always uh, bands or music that is going to be part of the whole event too. They, they almost always have some sort of music act that will play at Gen Con. Uh, out on one of the streets uh, if you're talking about a more major band or you will have just music groups playing um, specialized instruments uh, whether that be uh, uh, skin drums and uh, ukulele and glad you said drums yes <laughs> right uh, but a lot of instruments that you wouldn't normally expect. One of the one of the joys to see is there's a gentleman named Dan the Bard that tends to be at every Gen Con and a lot of other conventions, and he writes his own music and goes around and he's got the little stringed instrument and he'll uh, it's rather in, entertaining. I mean, it's it's just kind of a nice um, a nice feel uh, or a nice ambiance enriching thing. You've got the uh, uh, the costuming aspect there is the uh, every year they have the costume parade and uh, contest that goes along with it it'll take the entire length of the convention center uh, and of course you know you don't necessarily even have to be part of the parade there will be people in costumes just going out all throughout you you'll trip over costumes uh, just because of the close proximities it's it's very impressive um, real question um, have you spoken with Dan the Bard or just had him? No, not on the show, but... Uh, well, the, here's the question for you. Yeah. One, does he play Skyrim? And two, does he join the Bard's school I'll in have, Skyrim? I'll have to ask that. I I am not 100% certain. It's been a couple of... Unfortunately, it's been a couple of years since I've actually spoken to Dan the Bard. I was going to try and say hi this year, but... Uh, Time and things got away from me just a little bit, and I was not able to touch base and, and uh, make contact. But I, I'll have to ask that. It was rather entertaining. I did see him walking along the pathways, and he had his instrument. But the problem is there's so many people, he would get drowned out. So he had somebody following behind him with like a PA speaker. Not not an actual PA speaker, but something just to boost the volume <laughs> so that people could hear what he was playing. Pretty entertaining. Um so, okay. you know, step into the modern age. Exactly. Um, and that's, that's scratching. Uh, you know, we're starting to scratch into the surface. They do things like there's always a blood drive that's associated with it. It's such a large, uh, large environment, you're going to get worn out. There is um, like a 20-chair massage area that you can go to just to get a massage. They had a... Uh, they always have a uh, arcade. They usually have more than one kind. The the two that are almost always there are pods for playing Mech Warrior. I mean, you, mm. they used to have them at Circle Center Mall, and they kind of 
travel around now and you go in it's like being in the actual mech and you can either play it on the easy mode where I'm just doing the stick and here's the fire and I don't have to much pay attention to things or it can be completely complex I have to maintain my uh, concentration because I've got to look at heat levels I got to look at damage and power rerouting and the, oh this arm was hit and that's the one that the missiles were on and now I can't get in it can be pretty impressive and mech warrior games are killer yeah They'll have like uh, a PlayStation slash Xbox room uh, where, you know, things like uh, Guitar Hero or Rock Band uh, tournaments on Super Smash Brothers, things like that will be happening. They'll have the computer area almost always. So you have other types of uh, online gaming and tournaments that will occur. This year they had an actual um, arcade arcade with stand up old machines and uh, Billy Mitchell was there, and that was uh, it was rather entertaining that uh, that they were able to get him to uh, arrive. I'm not certain that a ton of people realized who he was in the halls. I while he was there and out there, I just kind of watched people and their reaction or lack thereof to him, which was interesting. Who's this dude in the shirt and tie? Right. Uh, you know, I, I know who he is. Obviously, I knew who he is before we, we talked. And I was like, yeah, this is an important individual in terms of the history of video games. But Gen Con is not a video game convention. Gen Con is a board game convention. So I'm wondering if there's maybe a, not quite the same. Uh, were they still doing the, I think they were doing the arcade fire yes so that's why he i'm guessing that's that why, why he was there, there. Mm -hmm. absolutely they did a at least a reading if not a full performance i don't think they were able to get uh, enough space to do an actual performance i could be wrong with that um but uh again that was something this is this is the real thing about gen con you will make a list of stuff that you want to do and you're not going to get to it all and arcade fire was on my list of things to do at very very unfortunately I, I had to take a back seat to a couple of other things i didn't I just didn't have time to get to it unfortunately i had to miss it again because they were at uh, uh indiana comic-con too and that uh, would have been another chance to oh. to be able to support a, a local individual that helps to make uh plays that are very entertaining very interesting wonderful wonderful group uh, led by a really neat woman and you know if you ever get a chance, take a look at them. They're they're pretty awesome. But um, so there's that. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, all the things I'm talking about are still basically right next to the main floor. I haven't even talked about anything else that stretches out the rest of the convention center. I mean, you're going to have. Um, I've told you about Magic the Gathering, right? Mm -hmm. So they have a variety of different collectible card games. There's tournaments going on constantly for all of these games that are happening. It takes just a huge amount of space. But it's not just the tournaments that are happening, not, not the big ones. If you just get bored, you can do a pickup tournament. They, they're constantly doing these draft tournaments where the buy-in, part of the buy-in cost is to buy these packs of cards. And so everyone sits down and opens the packs of cards one at a time, looks at them, picks one they like, keeps it, passes it. And... You just kind of go around in a circle and trying to, you, you're trying to balance, depending upon who you are, between what am I going to keep to try and make a deck that can win and possibly win some more cards or whatever, or is this card just really good? It has nothing to do with what I'm trying to do, 
but I can't let this pass. I need this card. It's pretty interesting. Um, it's just kind of amazing. And of course, being able to test all the different games on the main floor is good. They have sections. Uh, the bigger game manufacturers have sections just off to the side where they have a bunch of their games set up in other rooms. And you just can go off and try them out. And it's a really nice thing because a lot of times on the main convention floor, you won't have time uh, to play a full game. They'll give you a demonstration, usually around two, three rounds tops. You often just cannot finish the game. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to demo it to enough people to be able to get that that uh, get that return on investment that they need to have people buy the new game. But in the other rooms, well, that's a completely different matter. You're going to be able to play through the whole game. And you know when it's done and your seat empties out, somebody else is just going to file in and try the game next. It's pretty uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, so kind of lumping some of those things in together, I'm really, really sad because one of my favorites was actually there this year. Had a booth set up on the floor, signing autographs. Really made me sad. So, uh, Guar was actually there. Yeah. They have a new uh, collectible card game that they are de- that they basically debuted at at uh, this year's Comic Con. Had a Kickstarter campaign so that uh, next year, which they've already met their goal, they met it. They just way surpassed it so that next year they will not only be at Comic Con, I mean uh, at Gen Con, but they will be performing at Gen Con. So that was the whole idea and I was super sad that I I was super sad for a slightly different reason because we were trying to at that point find a way to be able to talk to these nice gentlemen and uh, have them on the show and we're still we're still hoping to get them on Uh, there was just some communication issues uh, timing issues and uh, it was our impression that they were not going to be at Gen Con yeah oh no it wasn't announced until like that Wednesday, maybe the Tuesday before it's it started. Because they had that um, that performance that they are at uh, with the Juggalos. The right? Juggalos, yep. So, you know, that was our impression. The gathering of the Juggalos. Even though the game's going to be at Gen Con, they're probably not going to be at Gen Con. Yeah, their performance was on Wednesday, and then they were there the whole weekend, the whole yeah. all days. So, sad yeah. face. It is definitely sad face. We're going to try it again. There's... There's another chance we've got coming up, hopefully, sometime soon. Hopefully, yeah. But, you know, talking about the game manufacturers, there's a lot of games that I love. I tend to try and collect uh, all the old White Wolf stuff. Personally, I love the old vampire stuff. Um, I still have quite a bit of the old Dungeons & Dragons stuff, but I'm mostly board games now. I just It's easier to pop out a board game, play it with some friends and everything. Um one of the manufacturers that really caught my eye this year was Flying Frog Productions. Um, they they have a really interesting way of putting their games together. It's not just production value on the game itself, but it is a feel that you get from a game. A lot of games have a very similar setup you know they're often all pretty nice with the the box art and the art for the game itself but there's sometimes they start to blend together just a little bit it's very hard for a game manufacturer uh, or a game designer i should say to come up with a game that will stand out 
occasionally some friends and I uh, who play a lot of games joke, some of our favorite games, the actual uh, things that they're about, you would never think would make a great game. One of the best games that we play is uh, called Rococo. It's a game about making dresses. Hmm. Ricola? No. Rococo. Uh, and it's really a, an excellent strategy game. Um, there, we got one last year called Parfum. Guess what that's about? <laughs> um, the French. In, in a manner of speaking. Um, so, I mean, you will... Uh, there's a, uh, there's, there, there's a, a multitude of games with just some odd things that they're about. Well, Flying Frog Productions has games that instead try and play on some of the genres that um, are really popular without being too specific. So, the like the 50s horror genre or like the Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of feel and genre without being actually Raiders of the Lost Ark. So they really caught my eye the last couple of years, truthfully. Uh, but I had a chance to talk with somebody from Flying Frog. And we are going to let you hear that conversation right now. We're back with our convention circuit 2019 at Gen Con with a million people walking around. Who do I run into but Scott Hill with Flying Frog Productions. Thank you for taking a moment to talk with me. Yeah, it's no problem. So just the other day, I happened by your booth and I saw uh, a game that just jumped out at me because the production value was just so high and it looked so good and as the gentleman was describing it to me and it kind of spoke to me in that it was kind of a, a, a Raiders of the Lost Ark feel and, and it had such a, such a really neat draw to it, I had to know more about the company that you've got. So I was hoping you could tell me just a little bit about who you are. I think that you're probably talking about Fortune and Glory and that's our pulp adventure game. And it's, a, it's a really fun board game and basically celebrates everything that we love about pulp adventure action you know, those serials that they used to make that later became Indiana Jones and The Phantom and The Lone Ranger and all of these things where it used to be that week to week there were shorts that they would show and uh, in the theater and they'd be very short and they'd always end with a cliffhanger and that's where the term cliffhanger comes from uh, because someone would be hanging from a cliff. And so uh, it, really this game has everything that, that we love about those cliffhanger serials and that high action and adventure, Indiana Jones, like you said, but there's tons of things, you know, Tomb Raider, video games, magazines, movies, books, all of it, you know. So all that stuff sort of gets blended together and then uh, included in in our adventure, which is uh, which is fortune and glory. That that game just looked really nice, but it's not the only game that kind of has that aesthetic. Now, originally, what, what's your first big hit wasn't that kind of a horror based game uh, last night on earth which was a zombie game and much like fortune and glory is a celebration of everything we love about pulp adventure uh, this is everything we love about zombie movies and uh, and so we wanted people to feel like they are in a starring role in a great zombie movie and so uh, you know it's cooperative and competitive which sounds a little strange but I'll explain it's competitive, hardcore, zombies versus humans, heroes, but very cooperative among the humans because if you don't cooperate, you're not gonna survive the night. So you have to work together. And that, that makes it very interesting and fun. I mean, a, a lot of, uh, 
A lot of people tend to look at that sort of zombie apocalypse situation as humans tearing each other apart because only one of them is going to survive this thing. And so, you know, I don't have to run, you know, faster than the zombies. I just have to run faster than you, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And we don't like that. We want to have the, that vision of the future of like, well, if, if something went down, people would help each other and work together to try to survive. And, uh, and so that's the story that we're telling. And heroes really have to work together to, to survive against the zombies. And we do think about it in terms of uh, cinematic kind of experience with all of our games. And so, um, you know, we, we talk about, like, there's a cast of characters that you play. The, you know, in Last Night on Earth, there's different missions you can play. There's scenarios, and we call them, uh, well, we call them scenarios, but they're like the plot of a good horror movie. So in one of them, you have to try to find where the zombies are coming from, find their spawning pits, and then blow them up with dynamite. There's another one where you have to escape in the truck, where your, your last chance of getting out of town before sun sets uh, is to find keys and gasoline and gas up that old truck and try to get out of town. And that one's crazy because even though there's four heroes playing, only two of them actually have to escape to win the game. So everybody will be out all over town trying to find keys and gas, and then the second somebody gets those keys, they're like run out to the truck, and they're trying to wait as long as they can, but the zombies are just pouring in from all sides, and invariably it ends up with this finish where it's like, I can't wait anymore, and they end up driving off as somebody is enveloped with zombies, you know. And so um, everything cinematic experience all the way down to each game comes with its own CD soundtrack of original music. Nice. Um, just to be like a, a soundtrack for your game and be some background music to, to set the mood and the tone. Have you expanded that mentality into uh, books or comics or movies? So we love all that stuff. Um, we do where we can. It's not our bread and butter. And, um, you know, we're, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this more in a second because you wanted to know about uh, the history of the company and that kind of thing. But uh, my brother and I started it. And, you know, we, we've got a million things that we want to do, plans and projects and, you know, uh, only so much time in a day. Even though we really have cut sleeping down to a minimum, it gives you a lot more time to be creative. But, um, you know, we do what we can in our Shadows of Brimstone game, which is an Old West meets kind of unspeakable Lovecraftian style horror. Uh, in the game, we actually made a comic book that's just in the rule book so that you can, you know, that, that scratched that itch where we're like, oh, we'd love to do a comic and this lends itself so well. And, uh, and so we do a little bit of that all over the place. We do write fiction that appear in some of the books and everything. We haven't actually put, put it out as a novel or anything like that yet. We haven't put out a full comic book yet. It all just sort of gets wrapped in uh, under the umbrella of the, the board games that we're doing. That's pretty cool. Now, I do have to take a moment to tell the listeners or advise them that the whole not sleeping part doesn't work for everybody, as uh, this nice gentleman witnessed just a few minutes ago. It just makes me confused. So, <laughs> be careful. So it can work for some of us. Um, you, so, with the history of the company, how long have you guys been together doing this? Uh, well, been together uh, over 40 years because we're brothers. Uh, but uh, doing this, uh, that's it's hard to pinpoint. Basically, we've been uh, gaming all our lives. And on some level... All gamers, I think, are are wannabe game designers, and so every game we played, we were always making our own rules for them, and 
you know, modifying it and changing things. And we just have that kind of mentality. I remember um, we used to play with, you know, tons of different toys when we were little. And there were these ones, these little, like, wrestler figures called Muscle. I don't know if you remember those guys. I remember that. They were, like, these this weird pink salmon color. And they came in a plastic garbage can for some reason. I don't yep. know what the garbage can had to do with the wrestling. But... But we got these figures and we're like, look at all the designs and I want to collect these. And we got them. And then we're like, well, now what do you do with them? I mean, there was no, I think in Japan there was a show or a comic or something. But in America, they just released the, the figures and there was no story or anything like that. And so, of course, we started telling stories with it. And then that wasn't enough. And we're like, well, we should, they need to wrestle somehow. Like, and so we got a chessboard. And then we made rules for how many squares you can move per turn, and the chessboard became the wrestling ring. And we made this entire wrestling game around these toys. And uh, nice. I, I have a ton of stories like this where we made made our own games, you know, from like age eight or something like that. Um, but uh, later on in life, we, uh, you know, Jason, my brother, he designs the games for the most part, and uh, and I do a lot of the art and photography and marketing and all of that stuff but both of us have a lot of crossover so i mean even with the art like he does some of the art too and with the design i design some of the stuff too um but we work well together and uh and so anyway we had day jobs we were doing other things and uh and he made a game i think the first one that he made was like for my birthday not as a birthday present, but like, hey, you're going to have a big party. You know what? I'll just make this game, and we'll play it as, as the party. That's and really everybody cool. totally loved it, and, uh, and then they wanted to play it again, and they wanted to play it again next week. And then he made another game for the next Christmas or whatever. We had a big get-together with people, and, and this happened over and over. And we, we ended up, at the time that we decided to, to get serious about this, where so many people were playing it and making us offers, like, I, I will give you $300 for just a copy of this. And we're like, what are you talking about? This is just our cardboard and, you know, Xerox prototype thing just for fun. And when once we started getting multiple of these offers, we're like, you know, maybe this is something. Maybe we should actually try to put out a game, because that's everybody's dream anyway. But when we started looking into it, it's pretty expensive. Yeah. And uh, we had been in the video game industry and saw enough, knew enough to see, you know, uh, ideas get kind of uh, co-opted by publishers and stuff like that. I mean, there were things with video games where we saw friends and, and other people where, you know, they would have some, their passion. This is this game I'm just dying to make and this dream and I work at this company and so I show the company they're like, oh, that's pretty good, you know. But how about instead of, you know, 1930s mobsters, uh, it's it's on the moon and it's about cats. And it's like, whoa, that's not my idea at all. What are you talking about? Well, that, that's it now. It's like, well, I'll tell you what. I'll just take my idea back and, and just do it, do it my own thing later. And they're like, no, 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 we own that now. But you're not going to use it. Yeah, I know, but we own it. So and, and so we were very, very worried about, you know, this is precious to us and so we didn't want to we never considered selling our game to somebody else or having some other publisher or whatever we only wanted to do do it ourselves or not at all and unfortunately it's very expensive so we continued our normal daily lives we had day jobs all of this stuff and we saved money to try to put it out ourselves and it took a long time I'll about bet. eight years and in that time 
we just kept working on games. And by the time we were actually ready, we're, uh, you know, we we had the money together. We had uh, made contacts and you know found uh, manufacturing and stuff like that. Um, we had about 16 games that that we had been playing for years that any one of them could have been the game and we knew we might only have one shot at it so it was very very important which one we chose and so we arm wrestled over it a little bit but the last night on earth ended up winning out and i'm really glad it did because uh, it came out at a time where there was a big zombie boom yeah and uh retailers were saying I mean, we went to our first Gamma, which is a big trade show for, for board games, miniature games and stuff. And we had this little teeny booth, and we we did not know what we were doing. And we had we got an art easel behind us, and we got a big poster made that looked like a fake movie poster for Last Night on Earth. Nice. And that's basically all we had. That and one single copy of the game is like a prototype where we had printed it out and uh, you know made the cards ourselves and everything like that. And, and yet, retailers were saying, like, you know, we would start a pitch and go, oh, well, it's great because this, whatever. And they're like, no, no, I don't care. If it has zombies, I can sell it. Sounds good. And we're like, whoa. We did not know that that was the case. But it was just the right time, and it just happened to work out really well. Yeah, that's something that uh, a lot of people end up learning the hard way about about sales, whether you're on the selling end or the buying end, it almost has nothing to do with the product other than one minor key feature, and then right. that's all there is to it. Well, too often uh, people buy it just based on the artwork or the cover or the genre or whatever, and uh, and it really is the case. You know, there's there's I guarantee th- uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of amazing games that no one will know how amazing they are because. They can't get by the theme or the color or the cover or whatever it happens to be. And then there's, I guarantee, hundreds or thousands of games where the cover's amazing or the, the genre or the theme looks amazing, but it, it's not that much fun to play. I may or may not own some of those. So um, so as far as uh, the history of it, we, uh, we ended up putting out our first game where it might have been our only game. We got very lucky about you know having a genre that seemed to just hit a sweet spot in in the social consciousness at that point, and it, it allowed us to kind of break through because, as it turns out, it's uh, it's not that easy you know to get to get picked up by distributors and all that stuff. But we just ended up you know lucky enough to to hit it, and then um, you know we made our our first expansion for it, and, and it really took off, and we. We were able to make enough money to pay for a second game and then made enough money from all of those to then do a reprint of the first game. And it was very organically grown from there. And eventually we were able to quit our day jobs and do this full time. And I should say, it's not like the day jobs were a slog. We worked in the video game industry and we were making amazing video game titles. And so it was it was a ton of fun. Uh, but there's nothing like being able to call the shots yourself and and like I said um, you know in that industry it's it's easy to get bogged down you know you don't when I started in, in video games I was like oh I have a million ideas I want to do you know uh, the next great like RTS real-time strategy game or I, I have this idea for a you know a, a crazy monster truck you know smash up derby or whatever it's not like that you know I, I that's great that I have that idea but we're going to pay you to do Barbie's Dream Vacation or whatever. And I was like, but I don't care about Barbie's Dream This is a job, you know. You get handed what you're handed. You do the work. 
you work late, you go home. Yeah. And so um, it's really nice to be able to do exactly what we want to do and uh, exactly how we want to do it. And uh, it's it's been really rewarding. So I know Gen Con is kind of the, the mother of all conventions, at least in the United States. I yes, mean, yes. Uh, Essen being the maybe the granddaddy across the world. How many conventions do you folks go to now to, to pitch your product? Uh, so we every year we certainly go to Gen Con. That's our biggest uh, showing. Um, we always go to the Gamma Trade Show, which I had mentioned earlier. That's really important as kind of a business development thing. And to introduce our new products for the year to uh, retailers and distributors and all of that. Uh, besides those, we always go to uh, PAX and we always go to uh, Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle. And outside of that, there are some appearances that are a little more random where it's, you know, one year we do this one, you know, one year we did Origins, but we didn't the next year. And, you know, we, we, there's some other kind of free floaters that happen here or there. But the problem is that we, um, you know, we're a small team and we treat everything, you know, equally. So if we, if we go to an appearance, it's not like, well, let's just hire this random person who lives in that state to go and represent us because we want to represent ourselves. We want to always put our best foot forward and these are our babies. And so we, it's really important to us that, that we're always represented well and we always speak for ourselves and, and all of that. So. Um, that, of course, ties our hands of limiting how many convention appearances we can do because we go to every single one of these appearances. Yeah. I, I could see how that could put a little crimp in the schedule if you're trying to make yeah. your product and put it out and get everything yeah. going. So what is the big game this year? What is the new exciting thing that you're bringing out? So uh, we did a Kickstarter for the first time in 2013 for a game called Shadows of Brimstone. And uh, I think I maybe mentioned it earlier in this. It's Old West meets Unspeakable Horror. Nice. And um, it's really cool because it has elements of role-playing, elements of board games, elements of miniature games and hobby-type games, and even elements of video games and, uh, and card games. It's, it's, it's a lot of stuff coming together in one. And so it's basically a dungeon crawl. But most dungeon crawl games are, I don't know why this is, but almost all dungeon crawl games are fantasy based. And, you know, if you walked up and said, hey, I just found the best dungeon crawler, I love it. And I'd say, so do you like to play the barbarian, the elf uh, ranger, the wizard, uh, you know, or the dwarf? You know, and you'd say, oh, I play the dwarf. Wait, how do you know? Do you know what I'm talking? It's like, no, no, I don't need to know. That's what every dungeon crawler is. Yeah. And so we love dungeon crawlers. We really wanted to do our own, but we wanted to do something new and something different. So we thought the Old West is one of our favorite genres, totally underutilized in games. And so that's what we did. And so instead of playing those same characters over and over again, we have character classes like the gunfighter, the saloon girl, the Indian scout the U.S. Marshal, the Preacher, and then, you know, they have these different abilities. The Preacher is basically almost like a magic user because you're fighting against creatures and demons from other worlds. So he's banishing, you know, saying sermons and banishing back the, the demons and stuff. And uh, it's really fun. You know, the Gunslinger has a six-shooter template where he can preload his six shots with specialty bullets. So you can get ricochet shots or uh, incendiary shells or things like that. And so it really it gamifies the Old West and makes it a lot of fun. 
That's cool. Uh, so Shadows of Brimstone, the Kickstarter went crazy. It generated this whole product line, and we were so excited during it. We ran it for a month, and we're like, oh, now we get to make this and this and this. And when the dust settled, we're like, oh, we have to make this and this and this. <laughs> and we ended up, it took us like two years to actually make all of the stuff finally and, and get it all delivered. And then we did another Kickstarter for uh, a Shadows of Brimstone game that's set in feudal Japan, which is another very underutilized genre. And it's all uh, compatible. So suddenly you can take your group of Old West heroes and go through a void portal and end up in feudal Japan working with samurai and ninjas and monks to try to fight these demons and creatures inspired by Japanese mythology. Uh, you can have mixed parties where it's like, oh yeah, we run mostly with you know a, a gunfighter, a, a nun, a samurai, and a, an assassin. And it's, it's crazy fun and it opens up all these possibilities. And then um, that just shipped last year but I mean, all of these are ongoing. We're still doing new expansions for all of them, and they're all under the umbrella of Shadows of Brimstone. Um, and we just did a new Kickstarter in March for Shadows of Brimstone Adventures, and it has two new sets: one with conquistadors and one with Vikings. Oh, cool! Yeah, and all of them are fully compatible. So um, today we're actually doing a big mega event of Shadows of Brimstone, where. Uh, it's played in this this world for uh, it's a new expansion that we're coming out with in September called uh, Forest of the Dead, and it's this other world that's kind of a purgatory. So it's this dead forest with all this fog and all these ghosts and specters that roam the place, haunting, haunting everything, and uh, it's kind of a space between worlds. And so when we play this big mega event, it's a 16-player game we're going to run. You, we're going to have a group of four. Old West heroes, a group of four feudal Japanese heroes, a group of four Vikings, and a group of four conquistadors who've all come together in this purgatory and are trying to escape and survive working together. And that's crazy, you know, to have all this kind of cross time, cross genre stuff, but really handled uh, with care. I mean, we've seen this before. I've been a fan of a lot of games in the past where they've done this, but. In the end, it usually ends up coming out where it's just kind of a mishmash, and yeah. there's not much uh, thought given to the genres themselves. You know, it's it's a little bit soulless, where it's like, like you uh, just kind of stamp the the flavor over the top, right? Of the right. Like the flavor is the fact that you're you know a, a circus clown or you're a, a rocket man from space or whatever. But there's not a whole background and a whole set of you know personalized weapons or gear or you know backstory and towns you can visit and all this you know in a way it it, um, it reminds me of the cinematic universes that everybody are trying to build now in the in the movies because we you know each game has its own rich history and all of this stuff towns you can visit and gear you can get and backstories for the characters and all the different classes and different monsters and places to go and visit and encounters that you have and whatever but while they exist on their own, they all can then cross over. So each one becomes like an expansion for all the others and, and vice versa. Seems like a very organic way to approach things. Yes, and it's been really popular and uh, it's always strange to see people's different takes on it. 
So there's, I've talked to a bunch of people when we came out with Forbidden Fortress, the Japanese one, uh, where they said like, well, I saw Shadows of Brimstone and it was intriguing, but I just do not like the Old West. And finally you made a game for me because I love Japanese history. And we're like, oh, well, that's great, thanks. And then, the, then invariably they'll say like, but then I got the Old West one, it's really cool. It's like, all right, well, that's cool, you know, and it's the same thing now. There have been people who, who are like, you know, I am hardcore, I, I backed your Kickstarter for the Vikings, and that's it, because I will never touch a conquistador, and that's just not my jam. And so uh, it's, uh, it's always interesting. It's always interesting seeing what people are into and where they draw their lines and, and all that, but there's something for everybody, so... Well, one thing, it may just be my own personal perspective, but I, I, it just seems that the community, the gaming community as a whole, is pretty pretty accepting and, yep. and wants to see something that they're maybe not completely familiar with, wants to see that, that, new, that new interpretation, that new take on whatever it is. Yeah, I could see that. And, you know, when you look around, there's just so many, there's hundreds of exhibitors on this show floor here. And, uh, and as I go, when I ever get to leave the booth, I go go up and down the aisles, and I'm always amazed because, you know, you'll see giant booths. I mean, ours is pretty big here, but you'll also see small ones where it's just one little table, and everybody's got their thing, and everybody's, you know, got, got their take on a different genre, and, you know, I see a lot of Cthulhu stuff over mm -hmm. here, and, and that's one where it's just been done a hundred times, and everybody has their kind of different take on it. There's one over here that I saw called Delta Green, mm -hmm. and it's like, it's that Cthulhu world, but it's with sort of like Men in Black meets Cthulhu, and and they're like special forces that fight against, you know, Lovecraftian horror. Wow, that's really cool. Like yeah. this this mashup of genres, like what a great idea. And then over here, there's one where it's, it's called like Arkham Investigation or something, and it's more like, uh, almost like a detective agency, you know, noir kind of bent. And there's there's something for everybody. It's just like Sherlock Holmes has been done a thousand times, yeah, but yeah. people bring bring something new to it, and uh, you see that all over all over the place. And it seems like a lot of creativity and a lot of a lot of people coming together, uh, like fans coming together with people that are generating this stuff and kind of finding finding their niche. And there's something for everybody. And as there are more games being made, like there's more fans of those games and people finding finding the stuff that they're interested in. And Gen Con is a great place for this. It's a melting pot. And uh, I've talked to a lot of people this con that it's their first Gen Con and their minds are just blown. They're like, I didn't know. I didn't know it could be like this. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, you hear about it, and you're like, oh, it's a game con. Okay, so I'm just going to sit down and play a game or whatever. But there's so much going on here. It's mind-blowing, and it's a, it's a good time. Yeah, I was trying to get my co-host to come with me this year. Unfortunately, familial obligations prevented him, and I was yeah. trying to explain it to him. And to, to explain that, if you try to schedule events, not only are you not going to be able to do everything, you're not even going to get the, the, the smallest tip. Right. To, to dip your toe into every right. year can be different so it's right. just pretty pretty amazing yeah there's so much to see and do and uh and just when you think you've kind of seen the extent of it it just keeps going yeah. last night we wandered out and went over to lucas oil stadium which is across the street from the convention center and on the field they've covered over the field with uh flooring 
and there's just thousands of people playing games out there. They have a game library that just looks like it's thousands of titles, rows and rows of tables, and people just playing every sort of game on the football field, which in a way is a fantastic metaphor for uh, for nerds taking over, you know, where jocks <laughs> used to be popular. No, 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 we got the field now. It's going to be great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk with me. No I really problem. appreciate it, and I wish you the best success, and I'm sure I will be buying more of your products myself here in the future. Well, thank you very much, and if uh, your listeners want to find out more about um, our products, uh, we're Flying Frog Productions, and our website is flyingfrog.net. And are you on any of the social media? Do you have a Twitter Absolutely. Account? We have Instagram, Twitter, and uh, and Facebook, of course. Uh, we're at FFP Games. FFP Games. Well, definitely visit them. Take a look. These guys have some fantastic looking, but also fantastic playing games. And thank you again. Uh, no problem. Mm. All right. And we're back. So, pretty awesome. We got a really good idea of what they are about and what they do and some really excellent guys uh one thing i have to mention is uh, they were so gracious in the sense that uh you know how something i tend to do is just mangle people's names i, I try not to it just happens uh, because i am a terrible person but i'm not just a terrible person i am a clumsy person <laughs> that's how i was Ooh. attempting to uh Attempting to get some of the still frame images and some of the things that go along with Frying Flog. So, Frying Flog. That's a different game. Uh, Flying Frog is that uh, I managed to, I, I had what I thought was an empty glass. And it had like a little bit of water and ice in it. And just boop, off it goes. It was this close that it nearly hit like some of their games. I was so embarrassed. I felt just terrible. Um... Yeah, I was glad it didn't do any lasting damage. And I'm sure that most game manufacturers, including uh, these nice gentlemen, uh, fully expect that their demo models are going to get just demolished in the course of four days of 70,000 people coming along the floor. But uh, I have to say, my hat's off to you, not for not just for excellent games, but being a, uh, a very nice set of individuals that did not... Uh, Make me too embarrassed for being the clumsiest person that was there that day. Get out of here. So do you have any closing thoughts on Gen Con or any questions that remain unanswered? Uh, will Guar actually be there next year? I bet they will. They've had some really good bands. I mean, it may not be some of what a lot of people consider mainstream, um, but they're people that I knew. Like they had the Diddy Bops a few years ago. And they're one of my favorite bands, um, especially if you like kind of quirky music. They're super awesome. But yeah, they can get they can get some good stuff. They're better than the Doodle Bops. They're better than a lot of people. Uh, if you haven't heard, and that's okay, I'm going to have to put that to you. You have to listen to the Diddy Bops. They are fantastic. Check. Well, I think that pretty much uh, sums up everything on our end. Uh, next week, we are going to be having, provided we can do a decent enough editing job and, and get it going with the way we want, next week will be our interview with Jody Lynn Nye, uh, fantasy and sci-fi author extraordinaire. She is super awesome, and we were really excited to talk to her, and 
hopefully you will be just as excited to hear what she has to say, some of the neat things that she's done and happened in her life. And I, I just got to say, I was, I was more than thrilled. Yep. But until next time, I'm not going to end with anything else. I'm just going to say, but until next time, and then just end it. Because You're still going, by the way. Oh, I'm still going. Ah, I did it again. <laughs> <laughs>